is Alternate Take. I am your host, Danny Rodriguez. Welcome back to the show. On this episode, we hit the streets. The main streets. Nah, we just hit the streets, man. We hit the streets of Nashville, Tennessee. And um, it was awesome, dude. We got to interview a legit superstar, dude. Um, her name is Nicole, but she goes by the Blue Line Barbie. She is a police officer in Nashville, Tennessee, and is also a legit professional model. So she's a fucking badass. And um, I thought it'd be cool to get her take on a bunch of shit. And actually, this interview was done about a month ago, which is before everything that just went on recently in, in Tennessee. So it would have been actually a lot better to get it done after that. But nonetheless, man, um, a great interview, a great time to talk to her, man. She was so insightful, so funny, so cool. And I hope you guys check out her work, man. She is a complete do-it-all and someone I deeply admire. So I um, hope you guys enjoy the interview, man. Without further ado, I bring to you the Blue Line Barbie. Alternate Take, what's up? I'm excited for this podcast, man. I brought you guys someone I deeply admire. I brought you guys the Blue Line Barbie herself. Nicole, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Out here in California, living it up, living the dream. Mm. Not really. I wish I was out there. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. It's all fucked up out here. <laughs> it's crazy. You could just murder people and go out free like a week later. It's nuts out here. But um, weather's good. So it's <laughs> that's part of it, I guess. Yeah, weather's freezing here. We're looking at uh, single-digit temps next week, and I'm dreading it. Jesus. Well, tell the people where you're located right now. I'm in Tennessee. Dear Lord, and that's a place I got to visit. I got to go. I've been hearing too many good stories about Nashville, and uh, we've interviewed a couple people from Nashville now, um, both country singers, and it was awesome. But so, you know, I have windows now. I got to go. I'm just making up excuses now, but I, I got to go and and uh, settle downtown. I heard it's a good time. It is. It is. I actually used to work downtown, and it was the best nights. Oh, man. I hear the most beautiful women, too. So that's why I got to go, too. I'm like, dude, I'm young. I got to go. I got to have a good time. Jesus Christ. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say. Kidding, just kidding. Just kidding. Just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, so how long have you been in Nashville? Um, I've been here since, gosh, 98. Damn. So that, that's long time. You're, you're official then. Yeah, I'm. I'm official. I'm deeply rooted now. Damn, they so call didn't... me they call me a transplant so <laughs> i didn't know what you're gonna go after trans i was like let's, let's see where this is. <laughs> oh, i mean you never you never know with me you never know <laughs> you are a jack of all trades and that's why we're having you on the podcast today because um it's very exciting it's very exciting to see people do um what you do for a living and to be able to have some sort of avenue outside of it that um develops you further that makes you you know makes you better i think that's an, it's insane especially your career so for people that don't know um nicole here is a law enforcement officer in nashville um just recently got hired i believe right in the last year or two years yes and um is also a professional model so imagine doing those two things which sound like complete opposites and uh and then keeping a level head so it's it's it's, it's difficult but um i want to start with your law enforcement first because you know today's a uh, it's a crazy world we're in right now, and um, you know it's a it's an ever changing game. You know that's that's what I always hear a lot is that law enforcement changes a lot, the rules change, the laws change, um, and it's it's always something different every single day. So now that you've been on for some time and you're doing your job, 
um what are some experiences so far that you could share with us that have either like been eye-opening to you that have been um humbling to you that have been scary to you like what's what's like your take so far and on your experience of being a cop so far um so far like i've had i've had some some quite different experiences now i was a cna for you know a little over 10 years before becoming law enforcement so I kind of got the the feel on helping people and being there for people. Um, and that's kind of what I brought into the Leo side of things. Humbling, I would say, my kid calls. Um, that's definitely some hard ones. Um, luckily, I've been very blessed to not have to deal with, you know, super tragic events with the kids. Um, I know it's coming. I, you know, that every law enforcement officer has to deal with that, but, uh, I've not, I've not really dealt with anything too terrible in my career so far. Um, I've been very blessed to not have to deal with that. Like other officers, you know, a lot of other officers, they, it's, it's right off the bat pretty much. And I work for such a small department. I've not had a lot of that. That's great. That's really good. Um, and that's like the one thing, um, that is good and bad, I guess you could say for a smaller place, like for the grand public, I think the one thing that they worry about is like, if there is a smaller department, um, do they get the level of training, uh, that like a really big one would get like a New York PD, you know, or a LAPD or, you know, uh, some sheriffs in, in Texas or LA, um, how do you combat that? Cause like, um, or how do you go out of your way to make sure that you're really getting your full training that you think, um, makes you better, you know, cause sometimes you might not experience it. So you really have to like make it virtual. Maybe you learn it on YouTube, maybe you learn it on Instagram, maybe you go to a, a seminar or, or whatnot. How do you uh, go out of your way to get better at that? So the biggest thing for us officers that are from the smaller department is you train how you live. So basically, and that's one thing that I stand by is, you know, you, you have to train for real life incidents. Um, I, I do a lot of, um, reading up on the laws. I mean, I've, I've posted, a, you know, a couple pictures of me studying, um, because laws do change, you know, every day they change. Um, I, I'm able to go to seminars. I'm able to go to training classes. My department hosts training classes that we are able to attend. Um, we do a lot of in-house training as well as outside, you know, just because we don't have that real life experience as a bigger department would, we still get the training the same as a bigger department. Um, now it, it's it's going to be staggered compared to you know bigger departments. They can just send a group of people and go. But for our department, you know, we send you know two or three officers to one thing, and then you know a couple months later, a couple more officers will go to another another class that 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 that's around. And a lot of departments are good around here for for kind of being like that sister department. Um, or big brother department, and you can you can learn a lot from other people. You know, we get we get called out for situations that um, THP handles and that the county handles, and we get to assist with other agencies so that we do get some of that experience and so that we can 
um, we can learn just as much. That's great. Is there any, uh, um, are you involved in like any martial arts or anything like that? Not as of right now. Um, I'm coming back from a ton of surgeries this past year. So I'm trying to let my body recoup from that. And then um, starting at the beginning of the year, I'm taking private lessons with a an instructor who does the martial arts and self-defense tactics, um, as well as hitting the gym, because I've got to get back in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Dev, that's really good. In fact, we've uh we've interviewed a lot of like jujitsu dudes here. One is like he owns um like the most popular basically uh jujitsu franchise in, in the world. It's called Checkmat. And um he's basically like, if there was like a Mount Rushmore of jujitsu guys, he's on the he's the top four. He's one of those guys, along with the Gracies and you know, all those guys. Um his name is like a Leo Vieira. And he has check mats all across the country. So I'll, I'll, and I'll, I'll call him and I'll see if he has anything nearby too. Cause, uh, I know they always do like, uh, like discounts for law enforcement and stuff like that. Yeah. He's, he's the best dude in the world and you know, stuff like that. But yeah, I'd imagine that's, a, I mean, that's a big deal. Like you gotta, that's one thing people are always advocating for all the time. They're like, you know, you gotta get better at fighting so that we don't have to go to, to your weapon as much. Um, but at least in your, in your short time, um, what do you think is like, a naive thought from a public where they tell you something and you're just like, all right, yeah, I, I, we're not on the same page because what you're telling me, I, if I was as naive as you, I'd probably say the same thing, but you don't know because you haven't, you haven't been in a situation like that. So it sounds, what you're saying sounds great, but it doesn't make any sense. Is there, have you encountered anything like that before? Or have you had a criticism that maybe from a friend or a family member or from the public where you're like, oh, how can I explain this to you? Um, where I understand where you're coming from, but it doesn't make any sense. And I want to fix like your mindset on why you think that and let me explain it to you further. So is there anything like that? So our biggest thing is um, that we can fix everybody or that we can save everybody. Um, and people expect us to attempt to save everybody. And it's, it's impossible for us to sit down and explain to somebody that, you know, just because we wear a badge doesn't mean that we can save everybody or doesn't mean that we can help everybody. Now, um, those of us that are, I guess, we have a passion for policing um, or for helping people. You know, we we do try. We try our very best. But, you know, you can't always hold us accountable for not being able to save every person that we encounter or every situation that we encounter. Because just it's sometimes you just you can't. And when when you typically try to explain that to somebody, um, they they don't want to hear it. Yeah, I think I think that's a I think that's tough because I think what they're basically saying is you should be more proactive. And you're like, well, that's a that's kind of been discouraged to law enforcement over the last 10 years. Like it's more reactive now. They're not encouraged to go out and look for people they're not encouraged because now it's considered um against policy or whatever whatever they say or it's 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 you can be uh, accused of profiling or whatever so you're not like hunting like the way you would used to go like all right this guy looks sketchy let's go see what his deal is and ask him a few questions right. and if he starts running okay then our instincts are right we got him you know like clearly he's running for something and then you figure it out it's just it's not being a cop in the 90s and the 80s where um where you really are going to work looking for bad guys you know right. now, now you're just reacting 
to whatever happens. You get, you know, there's a call that comes out and then you go and then you just hope to do your best. And that's, that's what it sounds like to me. That is what's mostly going on. Um, which is weird because like, I, you know, my old man's a, he's a cop. He's about to retire in a couple of years, like probably like two years, three years, maybe even less. And, um, you know, that those are his like favorite stories he talks about, you know? And it's like, um, you know, he, he truly was born to do it. Like he, he told me when he was young, when he was like five, that like, he said he always wanted to be a cop. Like he said, I, he's like, I loved baseball. I was really good at it, but he's like, and I could have went pro. He's like, but I didn't, I didn't care. I didn't want to. He's like, when I was little, I wanted, he's like, I would check the newspaper and see when they're hiring and how much they pay. He's like, and I would call them when I was like eight. And they're like, who's this little kid calling us <laughs> to see how much, <laughs> how much money we make? Cause he was like, I want to see how much money I make. Cause my kid, my dad's from East LA. So like when you're eight there, you're like 20, you're not, you're not, yeah. you're not eight year old kid. You know, you're, <laughs> already had people try to run you over and you already robbed the next door neighbor it's you're you're a different kid <laughs> so uh it's funny because like he was born to do the job and he got to do it in a time where like you could really do your job and 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 have fun and really catch bad guys and um and then still have the great encounters with like you know with the with the community i've been <clears throat> on ride-alongs with them before and i've uh i've been with him a lot of places my whole life in uniform um where he's uh he's in his uniform and I'm just hanging out like a regular kid. And it's nice to see like when he, even when he goes back to his old neighborhood, you know, East LA or whatever. And the, the restaurant owners that love him and the business owners that love him. And, and like the, when he goes to the park and then even the park, the kids know him like, Hey, what's up, uh, Rodriguez. And he's like, Hey, what's up? You know? And then it's nice. Cause you, it gives you that insight. Like, okay. He does his job very well because he can clearly keep community relations very well. Like he can talk to kids. He can talk to old people. Young people, all ethnicities, all diversities, but when it comes down to crazy shit, like you don't, there's no one better that you want. Like he, he loves it. It's Denzel Washington takes a wolf to catch a wolf. Like you, you know. And I think it's a special person to know how to turn that off, you know, and turn it on. There's a, um, right. there's like a Jordan Peterson quote where he talks about that, where he says like, <clears throat> there's like a virtue in today's society where people choose to like to not be dangerous and he explains further he adds context he says like because someone says well what, wouldn't that be a bad thing for you to be dangerous for you to be violent he goes no he's like yeah it would be he's like i'm not saying that you should be i'm saying you should be capable of it because if you're not right. that's not it's not a virtue you're just a weak person that's all it is you should be able to handle yourself at any time and whether you're in law enforcement or not you should learn how to get very violent and then learn how to control it all in a controlled manner. It's like that's literally like the art of martial arts. It's all violent. It's jujitsu, boxing, muay thai. It's explosive movements. You get hit. It hurts. It doesn't feel good. You might even have some mixed emotions towards the person hitting you. And then when it's all, all right. done, you control it because you you when you're done, you go, "Wow, I just learned something that majority of the public doesn't know." So now I have a responsibility in knowing this in knowledge. I just learned how to punch correctly. So now I can't go around just punching people because I have a I have more knowledge than they do. No, I have to control it. So it's kind of inherent. Like when you get more responsibilities, the more you learn how to control it. <clears throat> so um, I always found that fascinating. That's why I've always had a great admiration for cops because that's really what they do. And if that's the ones that I feel bad too, the ones that don't know how to control it, you know, the ones that are like, that do have the mental health issues, you know, wh whatever it may be, like um, everyone has them, you know, it's not just long, everyone in normal life has them, but like the ones that can't turn it off, like, um, do you guys get resources about that? Do you guys get like, um, hey, our department covers you guys for, <clears throat> for Sykes, for um, for stuff like that, or we send you guys here, or or 
these are the books we recommend you read for whatever. Do they do they do anything like that for you guys? Yes, absolutely. So our our insurance is well, just the employees' insurance is one hundred percent covered. Um, so they are very welcoming that if if you need that re- that, that resource or if you need that assistance, it's absolutely encouraged. That's great. That's huge because <clears throat> I think that's what people need to hear. Sorry, hold on. Damn it. Um, I think that's what people need to hear for sure. Is um, you know, when you're in law enforcement, you you're like a you're like a referee, I would say. And no one likes referees. I don't even like referees. You know, they blow every game. You know, God, the Raiders Rams game. Max Crosby got held seven times. I don't want to go on a rant right now, but. <laughs> um, but that's what a, that's what a cop is, you know. That's what a police officer is. You know, you're 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 a referee, and you got to make calls. And sometimes people don't like the calls. And um, sometimes when we watch sports and we see a referee, we, we don't think that dude has any emotions because he's just like holding first down, or and he has right. the same face every time he does the call. And then it's very easy to go fuck that guy, man, he's making shitty calls. And it's not till like the end of the game, maybe where a player or a coach goes up to the referee and you see them dab each other up and they give each other a hug and you see the ref for like a brief moment act like a normal person you're like ah i feel kind of like a dick now because i've been kind of rude to this ref all game he doesn't know that but now i'm realizing he's just a normal person and you know it humanizes the ref and i think right. it's the same thing for law enforcement when they hear that you guys talk and that's why i like to talk to you guys and you know hear your stories and see what you guys have to say because it gives you guys a human side um that people want to hear. And it, cause it's very mis, it's a very misguided thought that people have where they don't think you're human in the first place. And usually people get into this career because um, they usually care deeply about society. Like it's, they care deeply about justice. They care deeply about um, misfortunes. That's like usually what they sign up for because they care so much. They can't do nothing about it. It's right. So they choose something like this. So um, if you had any experience like that before, um, what was like your motivation to join in the first place? Like, is there, was there a traumatic moment in your life? So where- it wasn't my life. Um, it was actually my stepdaughters. Um, they were going something, going through some things, uh, living with their biological mother and just as a normal citizen, you know, trying to report that to the state and trying to take it through court. Um, I felt like my word wasn't wasn't good enough. So I became a police officer because I mean, you see, you see officers going in and out of court and the close connections that they have with the judges. And I'm, and I please don't think that, you know, I I did this to get a close connection to the judge. (laughs) Um, not at all. Um, but the, the DCS workers, the CASA workers, the guardian ad litems, they they finally started taking my word for you know taking it seriously right so they started listening they started paying more attention you know and being an officer you're a mandated reporter so a lot of the stuff that my my daughters were telling me i was able to go back and report and document and it actually got them out of a horrible situation and my husband now has full custody there's a permanent no contact order in place for my daughters um against their biological mother and you know i have been in the process of adopting them 
for about a year now. And of course, it's a long battle uh, back and forth, but they finally had a voice. You know, they finally had somebody who was going to speak up for them. And it's been great ever since. See, that's amazing. That, and that's what I mean is like there's um, I deeply admire people who consistently are looking to gain more responsibility and put more weight on their shoulders, especially weight that doesn't need to be added there um, because people can we can easily just be selfish and say, nah, let, like that'll play out. I don't have to be involved. Um, but people that take on the, the tragedies, the suffering of the world and go, no, I want that to be my problem. I want to help. I want to try. And um, that that applies to military, the applies to nurses, applies to firefighters, applies to cops. You know, I, th I think it's it's incredible when people do that because what people don't realize is it actually does make you happier. You know, like absolutely. Your initial thought is that like, shit, that's a lot more work. Shit, that's a lot more um, drama I got to go through. That's a lot more stuff that I'm not n even prepared for. And then right get through it you're like stronger person because of it and way more mature. And which honestly is a good thing and bad thing, because now that you're more mature, you feel like a little desire to be more immature sometimes. Cause you're like, all right, I got to even this shit out. <laughs> 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 I don't want to be fucking super serious all the time. So then people act stupid. They have, you know, if they're off duty, they do some dumb stuff. And then that happens too. Um, <clears throat> but I, I don't, I don't, I don't have a day off to do dumb shit. So perfect. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Um, and that's exactly why we're having you on the show because man, your your life is very busy and it's um and it's a perfect segue to what we're gonna talk to next. I want to talk about your modeling career now, which is fucking insane. I don't even know how you do both, but um tell me about your entrance into this and why you wanted to get started and like your motivations behind it. So um I don't know. I, I guess I've always wanted to be in the spotlight. I always wanted to get out there, but never had that um, encouragement, never had that push. And then finally, you know, uh, my husband was actually just go for it. Just go for it. Just go for it. So I did. And lo and behold, I got signed with a modeling agency um, within like two weeks of doing open auditions. And it Great. kind of it kind of shook me. <laughs> and then um, they were they were actually talking about how you had to build um, Instagram, you know, all your social medias, whatever. So I keep my Facebook completely private. That's family. You know, I don't I don't add just random people on that. Um, so Instagram is my only outlet, really. Um, and so I started building that because um, I needed somebody that, or not somebody, I needed that push to, uh, I guess, to help boost my confidence. And so that was a, a huge jump for me going from, you know, like 500 followers to now almost 80 freaking thousand followers, Crap. which is so crazy to me. <laughs> and it kind of just happened like overnight, you know, um, I woke up one day and my, one of my pictures was just like being shared and going viral. And I was like, Holy hell, what's going on? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so it kind of took off from there and, 
I mean, I've not looked back since and it keeps growing and my self-confidence keeps growing and, you know, and I get, I get a lot of people on there that trash talk and, you know, make rude comments because people don't see me outside of my uniform. Um, they think that, you know, I, I'm a cop. I should just be a cop, but they don't read and they don't see that. I also model, you know, I, for a little while I was the a marketing director. So I was working two full-time jobs plus the modeling um, plus I picked up, you know, some acting parts in a couple of movies and a music video. Um, so I just, I had a lot going on. Um, and they didn't understand that, you know, having social media and growing my social media is part of becoming a successful model or actress or, you know, whatever I choose to do down the road. Yeah. You know, I, it's, um, it's very common especially in a, in a profession that's that high level um, bravado, a lot, a very, a lot of pressure, like I mentioned earlier, um, where if you choose to do something extra, it could be, it could be like, a, for them, it'll be something that um, triggers an insecurity and they put it on you. And that happens yes. in every, in every career. It really does. It's, it's every job, it's not just law enforcement, but it's, it's very strange how that works out. And it's, I know like people say that advice to like block out the haters, like who cares what they say, but obviously easier said than done. That's like not like an easy thing for people to do because you clearly right. care about the respect from your peers and you want them to take you seriously. But some people just truly take multi-talented people um, and they and they and they only use that against themselves. They internalize it. They don't they don't use it for admiration. They don't go, fuck, man, that person does this, this, this. Like I want to go pick their brain. I want to go talk to them more. I want to see how they got into that. Most people don't do that. They just get go. Ah, fuck that guy. Or oh, oh, this, like he thinks he's special. They, she thinks he's special doing this, and it's like it. They don't realize how stupid they look when they do that. Mm -hmm. They don't realize how immature and how like actual like insecure you really look. And it's the only people that are agreeing with you are people that are just as insecure as you. And it's just a misery loves company situation. So, um, absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take it too seriously. I, I would just ignore it as best as possible because. You know, those are losers. It's a loser mindset. Like it's a simple way of putting it, but they are. Those are real losers. Those are people that didn't unfortunately have enough guidance in their youth to tell them to suck it up or to tell them to look to to admire people that are better than them, you know, and ask questions. Those are the, the people, the most rich people in the world are only rich because, man, I when I was young, I interviewed I used to hang around this really rich guy and I would just ask him questions like, What does he do? What does he do? Then I knew this other rich guy, then I asked him a bunch of questions. And I basically built my own portfolio because I had a, 10 rich guys telling me all this stuff and I would write it down and I'd pick out the stuff I liked and stuff I didn't like and I turned it into my own. And it's the same thing with anything else. You know, people that are uh, amazing comedians, you know, they, they always say the same thing. Like, man, I'm only good because I had, a, I had a work behind this guy for so long, you know, like how do you do a set after this guy just murdered it for 15 minutes and now you got to go and you're a nobody and it's 1 a.m. And you get your battle scars and you just learn. Like they never want to give credit to themselves. They never want to put, mm -hmm. they want to say that I was the one who did it. They go, it's other people that got me better because that's how your mindset is. So I respect the hell out of that. And you should ignore the haters because they're stupid. And um, what were, if you had any role models into the modeling career, did you have any? Did, were there some that you grew up with going like, man, like she's like my favorite or, or is there some that you have now that are like helping you get through this whole process and anything? No, um, not at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I can say with the modeling, um, I never really had 
that, that inspiration. Um, I mean, I used to watch, you know, the stuff online or on TV or whatever, but never anybody that, you know, I could look up to and be like, Oh, Hey, I want to be like that. Um, or vice versa, you know, with policing, um, my role models was kind of, was kind of my family, but in a non-traditional way, it wasn't, Hey, I want to be like them. It's, Hey, I don't want to be like them. Uh, because, you know, my family was involved in drugs and, um, you know, I had, I had a pretty bad upbringing as a kid, but, you know, now it's, it was, I didn't want to be nothing like my family. I didn't want to end up in jail because the majority of my family has been in and out of jail and, uh, they don't have they don't have a future. You know, my brother is, is in jail now he's in, he's in prison and he'll be there for a while. You know, my uncle is, is there. Um, it's just, actually I got God, two uncles in in prison now. (laughs) So I don't, I don't keep up with them because, you know, I don't, I use that as my own motivation but I don't associate with them. Right. Um, I actually don't even talk to any of my family pretty much at this point, aside from my mom and my dad and maybe one sister every now and then. And I am one of 10 kids. Holy crap. So that tells you like, I truly don't talk to my family. That's crazy. Yeah. I I have a lot of a family in, uh, bad places too i'll tell you that and uh we're not chatting anytime soon but unless i go to prison if i go to prison then i'd be like hey uncle remember me (laughs) keep me (laughs) yeah Yeah, see all all my family is is, (laughs) (laughs) well my family is like pretty much over where you're at all on the west coast yeah because i i i grew up uh between hayward tracy and then phoenix arizona Okay. So yeah. I grew up on that side. So that's where all my family's at. So now I'm here and I don't have to worry about none of that. <laughs> oh, it's funny because I, I still have family members like like if you go to like family reunions or and uh it's so I avoid funny. those. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I don't go anymore. And I miss them. I miss a lot of my cousins and the ones I, I you know, the ones I love, I call them, I text them, you know, I say, you know, good hope hope everything's well. And if we get if we get lunch, it's it's occasion, it's not often, but like you still have your uncles and your cousins when you see them like, hey, the crazy Mexican cousins, you know, like, but it's all good fun. You know, at the end, they're like, I, you know, I love you. I'm like, I love you too. You know, you crazy ass fucking, you know, it's it's so funny because it's like you do get a good perspective of how everything goes, goes down. And then and I'll have like a little cousin who's like 15 and he's super into the same kind of life. Like he dresses that way. He talks mm-hmm. that way. And he's like, hey, primo, like I'm trying to be a cop too. And I'm like, you're going to have to change a lot of shit, man. I don't know how. Yeah, I don't know how you think you go talk to my dad. You can ask him many questions you want about helping you. But like, you know, <laughs> I don't I don't know how you're going to fix that. You're like do do a run along first. I was do like, several. I don't know, I was like, I don't know how <laughs> a background investigator meets you, how he doesn't think I'm going to not hire this cholo to this fucking <laughs> high level job. But whatever, man. Good luck to you. <laughs> you know? But um, yeah, it's funny. It's funny. All those things shape you. Like, how do, how do you manage that? with your kids now because i i find this like uh interesting with today's parents i'm not a parent don't want to be anytime soon um although i do think it's a blessing to be a parent i think it's a beautiful thing but 
how do you manage that now? Because I feel like people proudly talk about, and as they should, um, their troubled childhoods, like, and getting out of it. Like I had this going on. It was a tough neighborhood. Um, and because of that, you have the best experiences. You have the funniest stories. You have the most traumatic stories. You have all, it's all, it's all part of it. And, um, you have really strong friendships that doesn't matter what you guys choose in your career. Someone's a gangster. Someone's a cop. You see each other 30 years later, give each other a hug. And it's like, man, man, I remember when we were six, you know, we robbed that liquor store. It's beautiful. All that stuff. You have the best stories, but it's something people talk about proudly. Like I, I went through all these things and that's why I'm a better person because of it. Yet at the same token, they'll have kids and they won't give their kids any struggles whatsoever. They choose not to. They're like, well, I want to give them a better future. Yeah. Okay. I understand that. But like, it's got to be done correctly. It's got to be done pragmatically because if you just give them whatever they want, like everything that you just talk about so proudly, it's gone. Your kids are not going to be that way. They're not going to appreciate life the way you appreciate it. They're not going to have experiences. So there's a lot of courage in being a scared parent. Like you really do have to let your kids go outside and get into shit that are, that's going to make you worried. That's going to make you stay up at night. That's going to make you go, shit, like I don't want to let them go out and do that. But I need them to go out and build themselves. I need them to go out and be faced with challenges. I need them to have peer pressure. I need them to have a drug in front of them and choose whether I'm going to do it or not. I need them to have those situations. If I just keep them inside, they're not going to learn shit and they're going to be spoiled brats, you know? So how do you deal with that? So um, I'm kind of, I don't know, I guess I'm kind of in the middle with that because I was that that first parent, like I, I didn't want my kids to go out and make mistakes. I didn't want them to go out and get in trouble. Um, but doing that, uh, my kids actually rebelled against me, like my two oldest kids, um, my, um, 19 year old, he, he kind of, now that he's a parent, he sees, you know, a lot of the, the shit that he did was wrong. Um, I'm sure that he'll take that into consideration while now raising his son. But, uh, my 17 year old, I don't think he quite understands the ramifications of things that he's done and how things have kind of, you know, turned on him. Um, but I'm still, you know, I'm still dealing with it. You know, I don't, I don't tell my kids, you know, no, they can't go out and do stuff. I don't, I try to let them, but I'm, I'm very overprotective because I know what's out there and I know like, um, you know, and, and they hate that I'm a cop because I compare everything to, well, this can happen. This can happen. You know, these these are the kind of people I don't want you hanging out with because like I read their friends like that and yeah. they're they're yeah. like they're like, mom, you got to stop doing that. But I'm like, no, because I got to make sure that, you know, I protect you or, you know, or the the worst one, the worst ones yet is the girlfriends because <laughs> All of my kids are pretty much older, and then uh, my boys are the some of the oldest. Um, and the girlfriends have been, oh my god, my, my, oh. <laughs> This makes you a good mother, though. You should like every mom doesn't think the girl the girl's good enough for the little boys, you know. Well, let me tell you, when when you have little girls that are faking overdoses to get oh, to where yeah. your son is at and pretending to be pregnant, holy shit, we have we have issues, and 
And mind you, my kid was was uh, 16 years old at the time. Oh, my God. Yeah. So this little girl was 15, 16. And I was like, we're done. She sounds like you're done. <laughs> yes. I was like, you don't understand what you're about to get yourself involved in. And uh, and luckily, we got him out of the situation. My uh, my 17-year-old has not been so lucky. I I truly... There's there's been a few girlfriends that I have liked um for my kids, but a few I haven't. My uh now soon to be daughter in law, we did not get along at first, but she was also hiding my kid out when he was when he was sneaking away or sneaking out. So uh <laughs> yeah, sneak out. So, I'm just kidding. And and I was still a cop, so <laughs> Which was not a good thing. It was not. Oh, it was man. not a good mix for her. Um, but now I love her to death, and you know we've we've welcomed her into the family, and she's had my grandson. So it's um, it's a it's a different relationship now. But but girlfriends are a whole nother level. Oh yeah, believe me, I know. I'm scared. For now, um, I made. I have my last girlfriend. This is. I said so this is. Absolutely true. My last girlfriend was when I was 20 years old. I'm about to be 30 in like two weeks. That was my last girlfriend. And hey, you know what, though? You know what, though? Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when I my my barbers, they're, they're, they're these three Vietnamese women and they're so funny. They just talk shit all day. I told them that one time. I was like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm just making sure I find the right one. And they're like, oh, so you gay. I'm like, hey, man. No. <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, ah, so now they tell everybody it's a gay woman comes in. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> they're like, they're like 60 year old, three sisters. They all work together. They're so funny. I'm like, no, that's man, hilarious. that's not what I meant. But <laughs> I always felt like, like if, um, I made my decision when I was 20, that like the next girlfriend I get, it's because I'm planning on marrying her. Like, I'm not gonna, I don't want a girlfriend just to like, yeah, let's go to Disneyland and uh, I, I'm not gonna waste my fucking time. Let's, if you're gonna be my girlfriends, because that's what I'm thinking. Like, I won't tell you that. I won't be like, oh, I'm making you my girlfriend. That's fucking weird. But I'll definitely think it in my head, like, okay, I'm making her my girlfriend because I see something there. You know. Right. So I've been enjoying myself though for, <laughs> for like 10 years. So <laughs> it's, it's been good. But um, no, I told you. Totally, like, I, no time soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kids, no nothing. And it's so funny because when you work with a bunch of people, like I, I used to be a dock worker. I used to like work on a <clears throat> on a freight line company. And it's like like a UPS or a FedEx, but you're on a you're on a dock. You're on a, a forklift. It's like a manly man's job, and I'm like the only one there who's like in his like younger than 25, and who doesn't have like a girlfriend, no kids. So people are just bitter. They're like, "Fuck you, man! You just make money and just go out." <laughs> like, practice after this shit after doing all these pallets and everything, and my old lady's mad at me. And it's like it's. I'm like, yeah, bye, have fun. <laughs> yeah, but now now think of the flip side of that. You're gonna be the old dad in the classroom, and you're gonna be like 50s, waking up with a newborn. <laughs> I know it's gonna be a nightmare. I gotta focus on my on my health now, otherwise it's it's too late. I don't want to be an old dad. Bummer. Now, see, I will be. Let's see, I will be 46 when my youngest is 18. Jesus. That's God willing. Crazy. God willing. So. So that's, have. that's what my parents did. They did the same thing. Same yeah. thing. My my mom and dad had three kids by 24. And the first one 
was like 19 with my brother. And then my dad became a cop like when he was 21 or 20, sorry. Like soon as you can be. The, the age was like 20 and a half, I think. He became a cop right at 20 and a half. And then my mom was pregnant with me when he was in the academy. And then they had my sister. And then that's it. My dad cut his shit off. He's like, that's it. No more. I don't, <laughs> I don't even care if you want more. You can't. I already did the deed. It's gone. <laughs> yeah, but it's crazy. You know, it's crazy like that. They did that. I think that's added to my um, patience now, though, to be honest with you, because, you know, I, I never wanted to, to have that. Like now my dad, he enjoys the shit out of life. You know, he's traveling all the time. Uh, he's He's since remarried. And, um, you know, he's, he lives life. Like he just lives in fucking, uh, like cheesy phrases. Like life's, life's like a box of chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's, mm-hmm. Dad's fucking yeah. on his thing again, you know, but, um, he's enjoying life now the way you would imagine someone would in their twenties and thirties, like traveling a lot going. So he's still getting that time back. He's, he's living it, but you know, I'm like, I'm doing it on the front end, you know, <laughs> I'm going to have to mix up yeah. some time in the back end, but it's been, <laughs> it's been great. I have no, I have no complaints. I know. And I love it. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> Until you know. have that first newborn. <laughs> I'm calling Nicole. I'm like, this kid, I need your help. I'm, like, crazy yeah, I'm, I'm shipping it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sending it to my uncle in prison. I can't do this shit no more. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, I think it's great that you're doing what you're doing. Um, again, like I said, you're an inspiration to me. Uh, I admire people like you a lot because it is difficult to do something so strenuous. Um, and take on the pain and suffering of the world and make it your job and then still somehow go out and then choose a whole different avenue that is entertainment based that is mostly you know by yourself you know you imagine police work is is very team oriented and and you i feel like modeling is very just on you like how much work do you want to put in it's it's a very different thing so to be able to do both is is difficult and i applaud you for that absolutely thank you thank you very much Absolutely. Tell tell people where you have your uh, your social media, where they can find you, your websites, because I know um that's what uh people are gonna want to you know look up. They're gonna want to see your pictures. They're gonna want to buy your stuff, all that good stuff. So right now, the only um the only website I have up is my Instagram, which is blue line underscore Barbie. Um, I'm in the process of building a website. I'm I've got a Twitter account. So I have to go ahead and preface this is that I have a ton of fake accounts out there. So I am trying to snag all of my usernames under the blue line underscore Barbie because I don't want these fake accounts to go do it. So I've got a Twitter. I've got a Snapchat. um, I've got a Facebook page. um, none, None of these are the growing pages. Um, That's just my Instagram but they'll be up and coming eventually. Um, now that I have more time off, I can focus more on growing everything and getting everything set up the way that I want it. Beautiful. Yeah, we'll, we'll hit up Elon Musk. We'll tell him to get rid of these bots for you. Uh, they're, they're giving us a hard time and shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Taking all of Blue Line Barbie's accounts. Yes, it's pitiful. I even had a guy comment on, used a quote that I had quoted a couple of weeks back. <laughs> And commented that exact same quote on my picture. And when I looked at it, he's got my picture as his profile picture. And I'm like, oy vey, oy vey, just stop. 
<laughs> there's always people who <laughs> fall victim to this. Like I, I remember I got like a voicemail one time. They're like, this says an African prince. And and if you give me five thousand dollars, <laughs> I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars once I get my kingdom back. You're like, Yeah, yeah, fuck you, man. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. People yeah. fall victim to this stuff. I don't get it. I mean, if you're an old person, I get it a little bit because you didn't grow up with scammers like that 24 <laughs> but like i would clearly know a fake account when i see it there's always a word misspelled there's always or numbers a- numbers is a numbers. big thing yeah oh god it's brutal you're like dude en- enough like sometimes they don't even hide it it'll be like mark grace 1992 and then it's a chick it's a picture of just all of just all girls you're like dude what is- yes this is ridiculous <laughs> jesus christ but anyways um yeah i'm glad you came on the show um thank you for having me of course yeah this is fun this is part of it um i like to do uh you know we do like a lot of high level guests and then i love to do like local heroes and you're kind of a combination of both which is great so you know that that works out for us big time and uh we'll do this again absolutely yes i had a ton of fun yes absolutely alternate take this has been a great time we'll see you guys later peace and there it is ladies and gentlemen our interview with the blue line barbie Thanks for joining the show, Nicole. I had such a blast, man. Um, For all of you guys who are fans out there, I put links to her Instagram, to her Linktree, all that shit, man. You can find out what she's up to next. Um, And she's fucking killing it, man. She's risking her life for the better good of society. And she's also killing it in the modeling game, which is just tremendous, man. I have the highest respect. So thanks a lot for joining the show again. And um, we'll see you guys soon, man. I put all the stuff in the podcast description, including my stuff, my instagram all the podcast stuff and go check it out man um we ain't fucking around this year 2023 is the year baby um up to l cap so um this is alternate take i'm your host danny rodriguez and i'll see you guys later peace